here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rat Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. Pat and Scott here at the Nine Route. Uh, we're doing our uh, off-season um, usual year in review stuff. We obviously, just like the rest of the uh, fantasy football community, in the preseason once uh, the training camps have finished up and everything else, we start to rank the players at their positions for what we think they're going to do for the season uh you know who's going to be the top quarterback what rookie's going to stand out uh you know finish better than a seasoned veteran so on and so forth and maybe some faces in new places that do work out don't work out all that stuff is what we go through uh we're going to go back through who we had right who we had wrong who we were uh you know close on together who we were uh you know miles away from uh on, on other levels and you know who we got right who we got wrong and basically not focusing on the entire list but some of those players that stand out for certain reasons and, and our rationale why you know how come we were able to find that pick that diamond in the rough out based on our gut or what we saw coming in with a, a new offense or uh, a player that you know I'm talking to you, Kyle Pitts, but we're not talking about you. A player that we <laughs> thought was going to be the world and let you down and, and what happened, maybe. Um, so we'll, we'll touch base on that, give you an idea where we're at. Uh, and again, our our concepts and our mindset going into the 2023 season, we'll be doing this for real uh, come August into September when the season's just about to begin uh, and a lot of these players are locked in. Pat, uh, everything good on your end? I know we're, we're down to... Uh, part-time in the off-season. We're going to have a few different things going on, but uh, always good to have you back and, and be on here with you. Yeah, this is like, uh, you know, many of the listeners know that uh, spent many years in the in the National Guard. This is more like our uh, our one weekend a month type of thing that we're back to when we're when we're regular season, we're, we're full-time, we're going, uh, you know, constantly looking at fantasy football stuff. But now that everything is kind of settled down, I mean, obviously there is, you know, the whole free agent frenzy that's going on right now, which we will eventually get into. I think, uh, you know, obviously there's there's news every single day that you could talk about. We're not going to get into that today. We're going to do a little bit of review, a little bit of uh, soul searching here and uh, find out, like you said, what we did right, what we did wrong, and um, try to figure out what we can learn from, from our mistakes. I mean, I think that's a big part of just growing as a human being is uh, making mistakes and, and learning from them and trying to do better the next time. So hopefully this season we will, uh, we'll do a little bit better. We'll take some of these lessons that we've learned here today and, uh, and apply them to our, our preseason rankings for 2023 and, and hopefully get a little bit more accurate. And I think that's the goal each year is to improve. And I think as long as you continue to get better, then uh, you can't really, you can't really fault yourself for, your misgivings, you know, we're all human. We all, you know, make mistakes. We all miss. And, uh, you know, the key is just learning from that, like I said. So I do want to start out by explaining a little bit about how we're, we're going to, I guess, identify some of those players that we hit or missed on. I know that, you know, a lot of fantasy football, you know, websites or, you know, other podcasts or whatever will tend to look at things from an overall season standpoint and just sort of look at, you know, the fantasy finish 
and sort of not necessarily pay attention to, you know, some of the other factors that that may have made, you know, a player a good draft pick or a bad draft pick based on, you know, other factors like points per game and things like that. So uh, what we try to do here is sort of account for both the overall finish and the points per game finish because fantasy football in general, I mean, most leagues that people are playing in, it's a week by week game. So, you know, a, a guy may not be a great fantasy producer for an entire season, whether that be due to injury, whether it be because he loses his job as the starter or, you know, somebody else just plays better, whatever the case is. But these guys can still win you weeks. Uh, you know, case in point, we looked at Derrick Henry last year, uh, played half the season. I think he finished. I think he still ended up finishing as like the eighth overall running back or something like that. Or the no, I'm sorry, like the fifteenth overall running back uh, points wise in fantasy football, ha- having only played half the season. So, um, you know, another another one this year. I think Cooper Cup played about half the season, ended up finishing twenty third uh, in in total points. But that doesn't truly tell the story of you know twenty twenty one Derrick Henry or twenty twenty two Cooper Cup, because those guys, while they were playing, were dominating and they were winning you weeks. And, you know, may have helped you make a playoff run and, and win a championship, even though they weren't available to you at the end of the year. So uh, what we do with our adjusted rank or our adjusted finish is we basically just average out the total, the overall points for the season and the points per game. And and we, we give players a ranking based off of how good of a fantasy pick they were, not necessarily how high they finished in total fantasy points. Again, if a guy plays all season, finishes high, you know, Patrick Mahomes, for example, you know, over 500 fantasy points this year. Obviously, the guy was amazing, also led the league in points per game. So he's going to be the number one ranked quarterback. But when you take a look at some other guys, you know, you may see somebody like, let's just take uh, Tua, for example. We saw that, uh, you know, he had gotten quite a few concussions this year, uh, you know, did not play all 17 games for Miami finished as the 13th overall quarterback. But according to our adjusted rank and our adjusted finish, he was the ninth best quarterback because he was fifth in points per game. So the games that he did play, he he helped you win those weeks. Unfortunately, he didn't play in all weeks. So, you know, but he, I don't think that he should necessarily be penalized for uh, an injury that he didn't really have any control over. So we try to, we try to keep it as realistic as possible when it comes to these fantasy finishes and we're going to, you know, as we talk about some of these players that we, that we hit pretty accurately and some that we missed pretty badly on, we'll touch on their uh, fantasy adjusted fantasy finish rather than their overall fantasy finish. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it's again, with the points per game concept folks, it's, you know, a lot of you get that it's, it's leading you down for seasons at a time to know that yes, somebody, like you said, Pat, somebody gets injured, they they miss part or or three quarters of a season. But man, when they were out there, they were producing. Uh, if they're in the same offense, perhaps moving forward, that that they have the potential to put that kind of point per game average up next year. Some people might pass on somebody like that, uh, injury scare, or just forget about the player for a few minutes, and, and that's kind of maybe when you swoop in and and end up with a top five or a top ten at a position. Yeah, that's where I think a lot of value is found in you know fantasy football drafts from year to year is you know taking into consideration those type players that were injured or uh you know again players that may be changing scenery from an offense that maybe wasn't so run heavy or 
will be more pass heavy this year or whatever the case is. So, uh, you know, obviously all of that will come into play and we'll get into that in our preseason rankings this coming summer. But uh, as far as the review goes, uh, you know, like I said, we just we want to make sure that we're giving each player their proper due and and giving them the credit for, again, may, maybe not finishing an entire season as, you know, one of the top few performers at their position. Um, but, you know, if they were a guy who, you know, like you said, we talked about Derrick Henry and Cooper Cup over the last couple of years, if they were a guy who was completely dominating while they were healthy. They weren't necessarily bad picks. So it's not like we had Cooper Cup ranked, I believe, our consensus. He was number two overall wide receiver this year. I don't think that was a bad pick. Now, his adjusted finish ended up being 10 based off of his total points and his points per game. But I still don't consider, you know, Cooper Cup a bad pick. He just got unlucky that he missed half of the season. And that's, you know, that's just part of fantasy football from year to year. So not penalizing them, not necessarily trying to penalize us either as, as you know, guys that we may have gotten wrong because, you know, if you did draft Cooper Cup as the first wide receiver off of the board or the second wide receiver off of the board where we had him in our consensus, I don't think he killed you. I mean, he definitely didn't help you win a championship, but he may have gotten you, you know, six or seven wins in the beginning of the season that helped propel you to the playoffs and, and, a, and you know, an eventual championship. So uh, I don't think that they were necessarily bad picks, you know. All right, well, before we jump into our preseason rankings review, just want to mention our website, www.thenineroutffb.com. I am going to uh, post our rankings with all of the uh, information that you're about to hear on our website. You can go on there and check that out if you would like to look at each and every player. I have a we have a nice color coded graph here to show how uh, how close we were or how badly we whiffed on some of these guys. And uh, you know I'm going to post that on the website so that uh, our listeners can go on there and check that out if they'd like. If you do have any comments or questions for the show, you can email us at the nine route FFB at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter. We are at the nine route one and at Scott from Delco. And uh, I think we got a lot to talk about. So let's, uh, let's just jump right into these, uh, to these rankings reviews. Sounds like a plan, sir. Uh, looks like we're going to start in the quarterback area. Uh, so we'll kind of, Go through these and then, you know, Pat and I maybe kind of focus on a player or two uh, that kind of stick out for a lot of people that are listening and, and for us as well. So when we did our rankings at for the who we got right, our consensus top 20, for instance, uh, players that, you know, we, we pretty much were both right there on, you know, give or take. Would you say maybe about three to five spots? Maybe you allow for a little variance. And sometimes that's literally three and five points. So. You know, that kind of plays into it. Josh Allen, um, Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, and Davis Mills, uh, whose days may be numbered, uh, <laughs> were, were four quarterbacks that, that, Pat, that you and I were pretty close on. Um, and then there were some that you were way more on point than I was. Anybody stick out for you uh, as far as who you got right and I got really wrong? Not really. I think, um, I think for me – the quarterback position was a big surprise this year. We're going to talk about some of these guys a little bit later as far as who we missed on. But some of the guys that, that we expected, uh, I guess, so for me, like 
a guy like Derek Carr, um, we had him ranked. I had him at 15. You had him at 10. He mm-hmm. finished at 17 in our adjusted finish. So uh, I was fairly close on that. But, but I was actually surprised. I, I think even though I had him ranked at 15th, that was more a a result of me liking some other guys in front of him a little bit more. Um but I was actually surprised that Devontae Adams' addition didn't bolt him up into the into the top twelve, and obviously he's now moved on and and in New Orleans, and we'll talk about that in a later show. We'll talk about some of the uh, the moves that have transpired in the in the off season. But um, I think I was I was I guess a surprise that I was as close uh, as I was with Derek Carr because I did. I think in the back of my mind, even though I ranked him at 15, sort of expected him to finish a little bit higher with all the weapons he had. Now, Darren Waller was hurt for a lot of the season, and they did yeah. rely a lot yeah. more on Josh Jacobs than I had anticipated. And I think that's probably, you know, kind of where things evened out for him. But uh, through a lot of picks this year, and offense just was not as, uh, as point heavy as they were the year before. So I was, even though I got him right, I was a little disappointed in the the fact that I got him right. What about you? Where, who stuck out for you? I'm sorry. Did you have something to add about just, yeah, real quick. Like I've always kind of been a little bit into his camp and I, I think this was a perfect storm. You have a new coach with a new offense. Uh, He's a bit of an aging veteran who was already kind of on his last legs there and see what they have. And, um, you know, obviously there's been a sea change. Like you said, he's moved on. The Raiders have moved to Jimmy G, who is well-versed in the Josh McDaniel offense. Uh, but, yeah, the Devontae Adams thing, uh, I think, was one where people kind of thought, hey, <laughs> this should be almost a no-brainer. And, and for some reason, it yeah, just didn't click. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, it was, uh, was disappointing. I thought he, I thought he was going to be top 10 potential, definitely. Uh, the guy that, that, you know, not that you had him wrong, but that, Oh, um, I was off. <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, I, and I say this, I, we talked about this before the show. Patrick Mahomes, the preseason rankings that you and I made were, I had him as two behind Josh Allen. You had him at eight behind other Everybody. quarterbacks. <laughs> um, no, oh, but again, it wasn't like you had like, you know, just throw, you didn't have Tua up there. You didn't have people just randomly. You had the Kyler Murrays, the Brady's. You know, after our discussion, and, and again, going back to where, like, the actual finish, yes, he was number one across the board. Uh, the differential for me was for the sake of one place I was light, you were seven, but that we still had him as a top 10 quarterback. And I think everybody, and I even talked myself out of having him on a super flex roster, which came back to bite me in the ass because I talked myself into Justin Herbert, who wasn't horrible, but didn't have, wasn't healthy at the beginning of the year, got banged up, and it didn't quite pan out. Uh, his offense got hurt. Like everything just kind of fell apart for him. But we all thought Mahomes maybe was going to lose a step. He had lost Tyreek Hill. They didn't really pick, you know, it's Andy Reid offense. So you don't know. Obviously, Travis Kelsey, everybody had him picked to fall off. I mean, he was, you know, he's 30 plus and he's going to fall. Everybody just thought that the Chiefs were done, um, you know, looking at, at different things that were factoring in. And here, you know, we, again, we just discussed it. He had his second best fantasy football season in his career. Were we expecting him to be able to spread the ball around? You mentioned he had the most completions in his career because, yeah, that was the big thing. We watched the Super Bowl. We watched different games throughout the season with Mahomes where he and and Andy Reid, which we got to give a lot of credit to both on that, that they really adjusted the offense to say, all right, just find somebody who's open. Just find somebody who's open. And Mahomes is a little better at that 
than the average bear to begin with. So once you've tiered the offense to him and his ability um, and, and still have that Travis Kelsey's always that ace in the hole who you know he's going to get the ball. And for the guy to have like he did in the Super Bowl, to be like seven for 96 and a touchdown, let alone better once, maybe twice in the season, you're going to see him worse where he's a decoy or he's in blocking. Uh, and then they did start to, again, do a little bit of a commitment to see what the running game had for him. Obviously, we unfortunately were on the wrong side of that when it came to uh, you know the February matchup. But yeah, seeing Mahomes finish where he did, I wasn't surprised in the beginning, but eventually talked myself out. And I think that's probably the more disheartening part to see him just come back as strong as he did where Pat, you weren't alone in that camp. I know a lot of people kind of felt like, you know, oh, he's going to like, they didn't have him outside the top 10, but they definitely didn't have him as a, a top three uh, choice based on roster changes and, and, and the like. So again, I, I can't say that you were wrong for going the route that you did it at all. It just was ironic that, yeah, he made everybody shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think the uh, thought process was, uh, it wasn't obviously on point, but I, I think that it was, uh, there was some method to the madness. There was, you know, there was some, some reason for concern with Mahomes, and, uh, you know, just, I forgot that, you know, how could I doubt a guy with, with a name like Patrick, uh, you know, that's my fault. Uh, I should never, <laughs> should have never done that to begin with. You really but, have to uh, look yourself in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Christ. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I won't do that again. Uh, Mahomes will, will forever be in my top three until, uh, until he retires and comes back and then retires and comes back and then retires again. So, uh, yeah, I won't, won't doubt him again for sure. But, uh, all right, let's move on to, <laughs> let's move on to running back. Uh, some of the guys that we both hit on, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, James Connor, Leonard Fournette, and Cordero Patterson. We were all, like I said, within you know three or four spots of you know where they finished. And again, this is according to our adjusted finish, not according to their fantasy finish on the year. But uh, yeah, I think a lot for a lot of these guys, it was you know, business as usual. They they for the most part, most of these players stayed healthy, played most games, and in the games that they did play in, they played to. Uh, you know, I think their their level of expectation. Uh, the guys that we kind of hit on individually, I'll start with my guys, uh, Devin Singletary, uh, Joe Mixon, Brees Hall, Antonio Gibson, and uh, and Austin Eckler. I was a little bit closer on Eckler than you were. You, you doubted him a little bit. Not much. You had him at seven. Uh, I had him at four. He obviously finished number one overall, had another great season. But the guy that I want to focus on a little bit uh, in this section here. Is Antonio Gibson? I think coming into this season, we talked about him a lot. Uh, obviously, with the addition of Brian Robinson, you know there was some skepticism whether Gibson was going to be a three-down back, whether he was just you know going to kind of be uh, relegated to a receiving role, which they had J.D. McKissick for, and then he got hurt, and so it was kind of this weird thing where you know I don't even know that Gibson finished, and and his adjusted finish by the way was uh, number twenty-nine. Uh, which uh, I had him ranked at 26. You had him up at 17. So, you know, and then there was a whole gunshot thing with with Brian Robinson where you were like, oh, I mean, is he even going to be able to play football this year? And, uh, you know, and Gibson obviously started as the, as the starting running back at the beginning of the season. Robinson eventually sort of became like a 50-50 split in that backfield. And, uh, and I think all of the doubts that I had with Antonio Gibson – you know, eventually all came to light. I think that I was scared that Robinson was going to take 
carries because was going to take goal line carries. I was afraid McKissick was going to, you know, eat into any receiving work that, that Gibson may have had. And, uh, and I think that, you know, obviously he did a little bit until he got injured, but I, I think all of the news coming out of Washington and all of the doubt that surrounded Antonio Gibson was warranted. And, and it, <laughs> you know, it showed in, in his fantasy finish and uh, in his points per game finish. So was, was pretty, I don't want to say happy with the fact that I got Gibson right or close to right, but uh, was definitely proud of myself for, uh, you know, reading the tea leaves correctly in that situation. Yeah. I mean, he was a guy who was fielding punts in preseason games and yeah, suddenly, you know, you did give him his due uh, to see that maybe he had a shot, you know, to, to, somehow turn things around and yeah that that Washington team had a lot going on uh when it came to the running back position in the news it seems like um, it came to, when it came to every position they had a lot going on yeah quarterback and, <laughs> yeah we know about those guys um so Pat you know who I'm going to pick for my running back right um, <laughs> yeah let's go through the guys all the guys that you did get right because I want to give you all the credit that you deserve before you start drooling all over I hope I don't short my microphone out. <laughs> uh, so it was for uh, James Cook, J.K. Dobbins, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, and one Damian Pierce. Um, for every Kyle Pitts I drafted, I had a Damian Pierce to validate my my reality. <laughs> and um, again, yeah, like the guy didn't you know finish top five in the league, no, but he was a really good good young player on a really bad team. And that's not, you know, it, it, Houston, Texas. We all know what what kind of a, a mess they were. They 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 weren't a sustainable offense. Um, I actually have a, a rebuild in league in, in sleeper where I pretty much had a decent chunk of that offense to to kind of help me tank uh, with, with multiple draft picks. I'm interested to see how that works out. Uh, Pierce, uh, you know, came in with a lot of hype out of college that he was really going to be a good running back coming out of the University of Florida. Hadn't had tons of usage uh but was highly skilled a little bit more of an in between the tackles runner you know not than a pass catcher so to speak but the last guy that i really remember was and you know we had a couple was i want to say was fred taylor and emmett smith where you had these running backs who really can kind of take over games at times and you know he being of that pedigree from that school okay you know i don't follow a lot of college football but listening to some of some of the people that are in our leagues talk about it a little bit. So, you know, did some research and I thought he had a shot and he did really play well, got a little banged up near the end of the year, which a lot of rookies can do. Some got banged up earlier in the year. Um, at the same time, I, I think it's kind of like an onward and upward for him. And, you know, he got some usage this season. Yes. Now uh, we just saw today that Devin Singletary just got signed to a one-year deal in Houston, a one-year prove it deal. Uh, they've added Dalton Schultz. They've traded Brandon Cooks. They're in line to draft a quarterback. They have some money to do some things. Are they going to be a division winner? I don't think so. But I think Damian Pierce, if they can help that, uh, you know, beef that offensive line a little bit up. Uh, Larry Tunsil is a good tackle, but I think across the board, if they strengthen that and they have a competent offense, uh, Davis Mills kind of plateaued and fell. Uh, to the point where Kyle Allen was playing a lot. And and again, that's why they're looking for a quarterback. But Damian Pierce for me was a guy that I was I kind of had my my wagon circled around and really hoped that was going to be what we thought. And for the most part, he was. You saw some action in the preseason, and then you saw 
uh, a couple of veteran running backs that were going to be, oh, no, we're going to play them first. And and it took about a half a game for people, to, even the head coach, to say, nah, I got to play this guy. So hats off to Lovey Smith for that. And uh, again, I'm looking forward to having him in, in my dynasty leagues. He is available. If anybody's interested. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, one of the few good calls that I did have last year when it came to uh, being able to kind of have an idea where he was going to be and probably finish compared to a lot of the other players and rookies in the league. Yeah. You actually, uh, as far as his overall fantasy finish, you know, total points, you were actually dead on. You had him at 27. He finished at 27. As far as our adjusted finish ranking, uh, he actually was bumped up to number 23 because he finished uh, the number 21 running back in points per game. So, uh, even as far as the adjusted rank goes, even you who was, you know, were a lot higher on him was even four spots too low. So he definitely was impressive this year and uh, definitely a guy who, if they, like you said, if the Texans can, you know, put together a, a half decent offense, they weren't, they weren't terrible defensively. Uh, you know, he, he scored a, a bunch of touchdowns this year. And, and I mm-hmm. think if their offense can sort of, you know, get things, turned around a little bit he could potentially uh you know be one of those 12 to 14 touchdown guys next year as well so absolutely a uh, a great dynasty pick hopefully uh if you if you do sell him you're uh, you're getting a, a premium for him because he's definitely looks like he's going to be uh, a good running back for the the next few years to come at least yeah number one picks only please don't insult me thank <laughs> you <laughs> Um, so now we're going to move on to wide, yeah, wide receiver, right? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Top 50, uh, consensus. We were both in simpatico form with, uh, obviously Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs, uh, Gabe Davis, Devonte Adams, CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Jamar Chase. A lot of familiar names there. It was kind of hard to, to miss really on some of those guys, but, um, when it came to my end on the wide receiver tip, uh, I had DK Metcalf, I had Scared Terry McLaurin, and DJ Moore, who was of the Carolina Panthers. But hey, folks, in case you haven't been paying attention, is now a Chicago Bear after the number one pick was exchanged and that mega deal uh, finally went the way it should have. Um, <laughs> my guy for like, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, an interesting time, I think, down there. Um, so my guy that I think was somebody who, and I did this for a, a couple reasons was DK Metcalf. I, I thought I, I had not, I, had, I thought Geno Smith was going to be a decent, competent quarterback. He showed signs of life when he was filling in for Russ. Obviously the big trade happened with Denver. They gave him the keys to the offense and the way that Pete Carroll seemed to have that confidence. Yes. He said it was an open, you know, uh, Drew Locke and he would be, you know, going back and forth and all that. You're not going to do that. I, I think that Geno Smith was competent, and I think we saw in those games that he did play in 2021 that when he did play with uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, Metcalf was a little bit more of his weapon of choice. Uh, Lockett had always kind of been a darling of uh, Russ, and, and then eventually through the season they seemed to split almost points and almost finish around the same spot, which they kind of did last year too. Um or this past season, but, you know, Metcalf being the kind of alpha receiver in an offense that you, know, you figured he was going to become this top five wide receiver and then seemed to fall off. Now I wasn't as high on him when we first started our program um, and then kind of watched him really said, okay, you know what? He's 
probably going to be able to put it together pretty well. Um, yes, he did not have a, a top 25 season, so to speak, in certain ways. But in our in our adjusted finish, he ended up being number 19, which um, I actually had him picked 19. Pat, you had 23. You weren't far off either. Um, again, we were right there on him figuring as he was pretty much going to be a top 20 wide receiver. And there had been some talk in training camp that he was disgruntled and may get traded. Uh, I know we had our antenna up with the Eagles and different things like that. You know, different teams, you never knew what was going to happen. But ended up putting together a pretty solid season uh, for Seattle. And they they actually did exceed a lot of expectations considering the Russell Wilson draft. So DK Metcalf was one guy that I kind of – changed my tune on and felt like, okay, you know what? I, I think this guy is really going to be a stud uh, more so now than ever. And and he really has. He's proven that to the point now where Geno Smith has a nice deal uh, sticking around for a couple more years with Seattle. And and again, Metcalf proven that he's a top 20 wide receiver and, and has potential for more. Yeah, that guy's just a beast. And, uh, you know, it, it goes to show that not that wide receivers are quarterback proof because they're not, but – the truly talented ones are going to get theirs regardless. And, and DK is one of those guys who is one of the, the alpha dogs, like you said, in the NFL, he's, he's just, he's, he's too hard to cover. And then I could probably complete some passes to him and I have a noodle arm. So uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I think he's a, a mainstay in the top 20 for sure. The guy that I want to talk about real quick. Uh, well, let me go over who I, uh, who I got right. Uh, I hit on Adam Thielen. Felt the uh, the fall off coming there, and and you know had him pretty wide close receiver to one now in Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for now, yeah. give him a month. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster, I hit, and uh, and AJ Brown. Uh, you know Brown, I think everybody kind of had uh, Brown up there as far as you know one of those guys who was going to benefit from the change of scenery. But I want to talk a little bit about Juju. I had him ranked at twenty eighth. He finished at 27th overall uh, in our adjusted rank, finished at number 31. And I think that uh, there was a lot of talk about who was going to be the wide receiver one or, uh, yeah, I guess the wide receiver one after Travis Kelsey in uh, Kansas City because I think we all knew that he was going to be the main target there. And uh, even though Juju finished higher than uh, any of the other Kansas City wide receivers, they're still was this whole, uh, you know, spread the ball around type thing that was going on in Kansas city. And, uh, and I am, you know, Scott, you were close on him too. I think you, you had him a little bit higher at 24. Um, yeah, somebody was going to have to catch the ball. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Kind of figuring that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he did a good job and, and, you know, uh, I, I think that he was serviceable for, for what they needed him for. Obviously not serviceable enough to resign because he, he's now a new England Patriot, but, I think that again, the concern around all of the Patriot, or excuse me, all of the uh, Chiefs wide receivers, was not really knowing who the alpha was in that offense behind Travis Kelsey, and and who, uh, you know, I think all the wide receivers were sort of just tight end twos for that team. That seemed to kind of be how that worked, and uh, I was shocked, and I guess you know a little proud that that uh, I had called Smith Schuster in the proper neighborhood because I had seen him in the preseason, you know, some people had him up as high as inside the top 20 and some people had him down, you know, in the forties, fifties. And so I think, uh, you know, where he finished and, and what he provided to that team was about what I expected from him. And, uh, I was, I was happy moving forward with that. So 
definitely a, a good call on my part there. Uh, let's move into the tight end position. We definitely want to move through these a little bit quickly so we can get to the guys that we got wrong. Those are kind of the guys we want to hit on a little bit more. But at the tight end position, Scott and I both basically nailed Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Dalton Schultz, Noah Fant, and Hayden Hurst. Those are the guys that were, like I said, within two or three rankings of, of where they actually finished according to our adjusted ranks. The guys that I got right individually were Gerald Everett, Cole Komet, and TJ Hawkinson. And uh, just want to touch on Gerald Everett real quick. I think that he's always been known around the league as a very athletic, pass-catching type tight end. Not really known for his blocking, more for his route running in his hands. And uh, it, I think a lot of his success this year came from injury to other players uh keenan allen missed a handful of games mike williams missed a handful of games uh you know josh palmer ended up being the the number one receiver uh, on that team for a few games this season so i think everett sort of out of necessity uh became the guy and uh i think that he proved that when given the opportunity and given some targets he can absolutely produce and i think that uh you know moving forward wherever he plays i think that he's a guy that you could absolutely look at as a sleeper tight end and uh so i think uh you know he's a guy that i had on plenty of my teams this year because i did think that there was a potential for him and uh and he realized that potential in uh in quite a few different games and definitely helped me in a few of my leagues win some games and and get into uh get into some playoffs so Scott, you had uh, the guys that you had correct that I was a little off on. You had Pat Fryermuth, Mo Alley Cox, and Kyle Rudolph. Of course, you got that one right. <laughs> I mean, come on, yeah. <laughs> your old cousin Kyle there. Hey, uh, yes. Who do you who 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 was your uh, the guy you're kind of most proud of uh, making the the call in the uh, tight end position? I, I mean, I I really do. I I, I value you know I value tight end obsessively way more than than probably most people should but um kind of just looking at that offense what pittsburgh was going to have post big ben uh i also had Najee harris tip for 2000 yards on purpose mind <laughs> you that did not happen uh no he, he he rebounded at the end of the season but beginning of the year i think that liz frank thing was way more legit than you know they wanted to let on um yeah the offensive line mud quarterback mud yeah you know you finally got the kenny pickett but that he was going to be a guy that was going to be truly pound for pound a, a safety valve, uh, you know, what what have you. A necessary uh, he, option for them, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he finished top 50 in the league in receptions, you know, not so much with touchdowns and things like that, but he definitely was a guy that was trying to help move the chains. He had almost 40 first downs uh, throughout the season. And, I mean, these are things that, you know, double-digit average in yards per catch, he had 11.2. 11.6 yards a catch. So, you know, again, anything that they were doing to move the football, it was kind of running through him. We noticed Deontay Johnson kind of fall off. Uh, we did see the emergence of George Pickens in that offense. And Kenny Pickett start to kind of kind of come around a little bit. Uh, again, mixed bag when you have a bad O-line and you're kind of getting thrust into things. But, yeah, Fryermuth, I thought, you know, obviously it had a lot of potential. It looked pretty good with Big Ben. I think some people thought there was going to be – you know, so much to say of fall off or that, again, just like I did, that Harris would be so involved in the offense that it, not that he'd be an afterthought, but between that and the O-line being bad, that he was just going to kind of help stay in and block a little bit more. Like you did see 
uh, for instance, albeit because of Tyree Kill, but you saw a much muted output, which, uh, you know, we'll get into with like Mike Gesicki uh, with Miami. And that's kind of what happened with him was that, you know, he was playing on franchise tag. They really, it was, it was kind of like an awkward situation with him down there, but that they just kind of used him to, to help the O-line out and, you know, kind of run a little diffusion plays and stuff like that. Like he really wasn't involved in the offense versus Fryermuth, who was one of the better players on that team, on that roster overall. At the end of the day, when you go back and look through, obviously Deontay Johnson was the leading receiver, but he was second on the team in reception. So obviously that a little bit goes a long way. And I was I was not surprised, but I was actually a little bit more surprised at how much he did get used compared to my running back. Boo-hoo, me. <laughs> well, we're about to get into the guys we got wrong now. So uh, let's uh, – let we'll, we'll save the Najee Harris talk for uh, for that part of the show. We'll start at the quarterback position like we did for the guys we got right. So here's some guys that Scott and I both kind of missed on for various reasons. And then we'll kind of go into, again, our individual picks and, and who we got wrong. Uh, Kyler Murray, we missed on Marcus Mariota, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Jared Goff. Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tuga Geno Smith, and Daniel Jones. Now, some of these guys we missed on because we had them ranked high and they didn't finish there. And some of these guys we had ranked much lower than where they finished. Uh, and I think that for me personally, the, the two guys that I want to highlight a little bit out of this group are Justin Fields and Daniel Jones. And I think that for as much as we didn't know uh, you know how good of a of, of passers of pocket passers these two guys could be. Uh, I think we forgot, or I definitely forgot, how important mobility is for quarterback. And I think that you know when it comes to fantasy football, if you're going to be the type of fantasy football manager that waits on a quarterback, I, I think you absolutely have to look at one of these guys who can add something with their legs when it comes to fantasy football because. It's just it literally is a cheat code to to have a quarterback that is going to put up, you know, 40 to 50 rushing yards a game and, you know, potentially, uh, you know, a touchdown. Even if you if you if uh, one touchdown every three games, you average two point extra points just on rushing touchdowns, uh, you know, combined with 40 or 50 yards. I mean, you're talking at about six or seven points every week and quarterbacks, you know, even the top some of the guys in the top 10 of quarterback points per game finishes are still finishing, you know, they're around 20 points. So we're looking at uh, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Geno Smith, all these guys, you know, just around 20 points per game. If you can get seven out of your quarterback with just their legs, uh, you're cheating. I mean, you're, you're basically adding, you know, like almost another sort of running back to your roster. So, uh, I think moving into next year, I am going to bump up all of these quarterbacks to have uh, a little bit more rushing ability, give them a few more uh, spots in my rankings. And that's one of the the takeaways for me from, from who we got wrong uh, this year as a group, as far as who I got wrong individually. We talked about Mahomes already. And uh, real quick, just want to touch on Russell Wilson. I'm still not out on Russ. I think that there is a potential that wish on Peyton there in Denver, he could absolutely have a great year next year. I'm a little more, you know, scared to, to, to maybe put my money where my mouth is and pick him in some leagues. But 
I do think a lot of what happened was just him not being in the right offense. I mean, if you, you saw what Geno Smith did in Seattle, it was obvious that what was going on in Denver wasn't working. And, you know, obviously the ownership saw that and, you know, fired the head coach, I think the day after Christmas or the day before Christmas or something. Um, I know it was right around Christmas, which was terrible, but I, I don't think that Russ is, is completely cooked yet. I, I still think that he uh, potentially has some, you know, has a, a couple of good years in him. And I think that if you're in a dynasty league, you can probably trade for Russ real cheap right now. And you could potentially have yourself a, uh, you know, top five, top six quarterback uh, over the next season or so, depending on, uh, you know, what Sean Payton brings to uh, that offense in Denver. Scott, the uh, the guys that you really, really missed on, uh, Deshaun Watson and Kenny Pickett, not so many for you there, but uh, any of those guys you want to talk about particularly? Eh, just real quick. I mean, Deshaun Watson, I, I wouldn't have had him ranked high. I mean, I had Jacoby Brissett as the number 32. Um, my big thing was figuring that Watson would not play for the entire season more than anything, um, and that when, if it even I mean, that was really it. Even if he came back, you know, like he did do, like he did, he wasn't productive enough to be, you know, worthy of first round picks. And, you know, some people were just waiting for him to come back and be, you know, Houston Texans 12 and four, uh, Deshaun Watson playoff quarterback type stuff. But, um, no, my biggest thing, I, I had him so far out. I had him ranked at the bottom of our list, basically not ranked because I just didn't think he was going to play. And I was a little surprised that, you know, he, he did come back, and the irony that he comes back against Houston, you know, I can't imagine the NFL would do anything like that on purpose. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, some you weird 11-game yeah. suspension. Hmm. Yeah, that, just I, random numbers, yeah, because why not? But, no, that was, that was really it for me. So then moving on to uh, our consensus top 50 running backs. It was blue <laughs> this year. Yeah. It's it a tough bit. list, man, looking at it. I'm a little it, upset. It it was, and like you know, like you said at the top, it's like yes. Did we miss by a few on some of these guys? Sure. Did we miss by a lot on a few of these guys? Yeah, we did. But a lot of them are are kind of like right in in our wheelhouse um, uh, of being within a few. You know, like you say, if I'm if I'm one off and you're seven off, I think we're still in a good spot. It's not, you know, somebody was off by twenty. It's like, what were you thinking? Oh my god! Like you know that that's a whole whole different story uh, uh you know when it comes down to it so our guys jeff wilson jr jonathan taylor obviously there's some injury factors to go there tony pollard cam Akers, kenneth walker the third josh jacobs raheem mostert aj dylan Najee harris and <laughs> jamal williams yes uh mr touchdown mr one yard scorer Jamal Williams. <laughs> um, so with my guys that I, I missed on, I was a little bit too high on or too low on. David Montgomery, I was a little too high on. Uh, Saquon Barkley, I was too low on. I was very surprised he came back and was started out like gangbusters, leveled off a little bit, but stayed healthy and stayed effective. Uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, again, when you're catching punts, I think you're catching a bus, and you know that didn't happen. But the guy that really kind of – um, I just didn't see it happening this season uh, was Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars, where you were way closer. You saw this pretty much happening where some kind of timeshare that was going to give him the ability to do this, uh, let alone the reunited with his college quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. But 
coming off of that Liz Frank, not thinking that maybe he was going to be healthy enough and that James Robinson was albeit coming off an Achilles, but that he had been a productive running back for that team. And, you know, the season started and for the sake of a game and, you know, preseason hype, you're still saying, okay, you know, new coach though with Doug Peterson uh, taking over and Etienne just shifted gears, took off just like he did on the field and didn't really stop. I, I mean, you know, had pretty much a, a solid season the entire season, finished with about 13 points per game once he got going and, you know, after the first couple of weeks and really put a big surprise on a lot of people's faces that weren't expecting him. Some people were already on his, on his bus, following him around. He finished with over 200 points for the season. Uh, our adjusted rank was 20. He was, his actual finish was 17, but you know, on that level, like, you know, you're, you're right where you need to be with that. He's a, he's a top 20 talent. And I think he showed it. I think that offense as a whole had a lot of surprises to the point where, uh, you know, they, they gave it a, a hero's effort against Kansas City in the playoffs, but couldn't quite get past that. But throughout the regular season, making the playoffs and being a, a team that looks like a very young and up-and-coming team, he's going to be a big part of that, Travis Etienne. And, and again, I was I was wrong. Uh, I didn't see it happen in this season. Maybe a little timeshare, and then they move off of the veteran because of his overall skill set. But the fact that he was able to take it over after a couple of weeks into the season – uh, I was a little surprised, and and again, he did not let go and, and looked very good. He looks very promising for the future for that team. Yeah, had that big carry in their uh, their playoff win as well to uh, that fourth down carry to to seal the mm-hmm. deal there against uh, the Chargers. Uh, the two guys that I want to touch on real quick, one was a guy that we both sort of missed on, which was Josh Jacobs, and then uh, a guy that you were much closer on than I was, uh, Miles Sanders in Philadelphia. I Both of these guys – Definitely got a lot more usage than I expected with Jacobs. I thought the addition of Devontae Adams was going to, you know, sort of have the Raiders, you know, leaning more on their passing offense. And I think, you know, maybe the subpar play of Derek Carr, you know, may have had something to do with that. Or maybe the fact that Jacobs just was absolutely killing it every time he touched the ball gave, you know, Josh McDaniel the the green light to just hand it to him you know many more times and and that's just sort of you know when when something's working you just stick with it uh with miles sanders i thought it was going to be a little bit more of a timeshare uh, i was also a little bit worried about the jalen hurts you know stealing a lot of rushing touchdowns which he did have uh you know quite a few of this year uh, double digit rushing touchdowns for hurts and with miles sanders not having any rushing touchdowns in 2021 I was a little concerned that, you know, maybe the Philadelphia was going to look to to split that backfield up a little bit more, you know, being an, an Eagles fan and, uh, you know, kind of having my finger, you know, what I thought was my finger on the pulse a little bit. It, it definitely seemed like coming out of training camp or going into training camp, there was a lot more buzz around uh, Kenneth Gainwell in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, Boston Scott has, has always been there doing his thing, but I, I really thought that Gainwell was going to, jump into a more prominent role and and get a little bit closer to a 50-50 split with Sanders. Uh, That did not happen. Sanders led the team in carries, led the team in touchdowns, yards, you know, basically every running back stat for Philadelphia. And Philadelphia was, you know, one of the top three rushing offenses in the league. So, you know, I definitely punted on that one there and, uh, you know, missed the, uh, the Sanders train. There was actually a, one of the drafts that I was in, one of, um, one of the guys in my league, we we have to keep two players, and uh, 
Masters was one of his keepers, and he he got you know made fun of pretty hard at the draft for keeping Miles Sanders. And he's like, yeah, he's like, it's fine. You guys can laugh now. He's like, but you watch, you'll be trying to trade for him in the middle of the season. And uh, and sure enough, uh, you know, he was getting offers, and and Sanders was was killing it. He ended up finishing number eighteen in our adjusted finish, number fifteen overall. And even you had him ranked higher than I did, and you were still off by by a few spots there. So um, mm-hmm. Sanders definitely, you know, sort of stepped back up and, uh, you know, proved that he can still, you know, he's still a talented running back. He always was. I think, you know, the, the lack of touchdowns in 2021 sort of soured a lot of people, including myself, on what his potential was for 2022. Okay. Yeah, let's move on to the wide receivers. All right. So... Uh, it's a big list, folks. We'll, we'll try to fire through it real quick. At, yeah, at, the guys just, we missed on. So wide receivers <laughs> differ a little bit different, and I just want to put this out there. We missed on a lot of wide receivers because wide receivers are the most volatile position in fantasy football. You have the highest highs and the lowest lows with a lot of these guys. And when Scott goes and reads off the names, you're going to see a lot of people in the fantasy football industry missed on a lot of these guys. Um, just based off of situation, you know, some of them have to do with injury, but uh, wide receiver is a tough, tough position to pick correctly because with running backs, you kind of know who the starters are and, and where the timeshares are with wide receivers, man. You just, you have no idea, uh, you know, other than, you know, some of those top guys who we did hit like Justin Jefferson, Cooper cup, you know, guys like that. When you start getting into number two and number three wide receivers, you just don't know. Um, so this list is going to be a little large. <laughs> uh, okay, so keeping it friendly for the kids, let's move into the wide receivers that we missed on. Uh, starting off with Mac Hollins, Allen Robinson, Zay Jones, Darius Slayton, <laughs> Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Hunter Renfro, Traylon Burks, Darnell Mooney, Michael Thomas, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Joshua Palmer, Devonta Smith, Garrett Wilson, Nicole Hardman, Cortland Sutton, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Hollywood Brown, Curtis Samuel, and finally, Brandon Ayuk. Man, if that isn't a list, Jesus. The only one I'd say for me, just real quick, I did not rank Michael Thomas last season because I did not expect him to play. Pat, I know you had him at 20. You had him preseason wise, you had him at 26. So there's some big swings on our level, but that was my big thing. I just didn't have him. Uh, I just didn't have him ranked. I, I didn't think he was going to play considering the. <laughs> and they resigned him again, I think, guys. Like, I don't <laughs> even know what the hell you're going down there. But um, but the actual, the, the guys that I that I missed on that were, that were a little off. Uh, was both Christian Watson and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And the one I want to focus on is the rookie, uh, Christian Watson. With him, it was he was injured in training camp, was missing time, and I bought into the Aaron Rodgers being all about, and reading some of the press stuff too, uh, with Romeo Dalbs, the other rookie wide receiver that they drafted. I had Christian Watson preseason picked at 80 figured he was going to have trouble getting on the field and that even when he did sort of play, he didn't look good. He didn't seem healthy. Coming from North Dakota State, we were a little shell-shocked with injuries in North Dakota State alums here in the Philadelphia region. 
that being said, uh, he did start out very, very, very slow. Uh, and then about almost a little over the halfway point, I'd say about two-thirds of the way through the season, started to play, got healthy, and was getting three, four touchdown games out of that. It's like, we're, come on, you got to be kidding me. This guy is just like crushing it to the tune of, uh, in a smaller sample size after he got healthy, finished with 12 plus points a game PPR for a top 40 finish with our adjusted rank at 37. So I was way off the mark, uh, closing, closing in on 50 spots different. Pat, you were way closer with about 15. You saw that you know, he was going to get into that Aaron Rodgers offense. My thing is I just will never trust Aaron Rodgers again. I am not going near the New York Jets this season. You can have your dark room, do what you got to do. But Christian Watson, I, I did miss the boat on. was able to pick him up in a late season trade as a throw-in the, the week before he went off, and now everybody was like, oh, come on. I'm like, thank you very much. So, uh, again, you know, does he do that with Jordan Love or a quarterback to be? We'll see. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, think I got – I fell in love with his numbers at the combine. And, and I think that's sort of, you know, why I had a little bit more faith in him. He was just a really, really tall, fast athletic guy. So uh, I did think that, uh, you know, given the opportunity. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Darn. Uh, all right. So the guys that I missed on uh, that I missed on, I, I guess, more big time than uh, than Scott, KJ Osborne, Paris Campbell, Amon Ross, St. Brown and Chris Olave. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Amon Ross St. Brown just because I, I, you know, I need to hand it to Scott. He, he called this one. He was, he actually wasn't even as high on Amon Ra as he finished. He finished uh, number seven overall, number eight in our adjusted finish. Uh, I had him all the way down at 32. I just, uh, I wasn't a, a huge, uh, didn't think the Detroit offense was going to be as good as it was. And it, and it was uh, way better than, uh, you know, I had ever expected it to be, but I also didn't think that St. Brown was going to be as big of a part. I know that he had that fantastic finish at the end of the 2021 season, but I, I had kind of chalked that up to, you know, him really being the only healthy pass catcher, uh, option for the Detroit lions. And I thought that, you know, with the addition of GJ Chark, with, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift hopefully being healthy and catching some passes out of the backfield. I thought that, you know, the, the targets were going to drop and the receptions and, and all that good stuff. And uh, I was wrong. I mean, he ended the year with 149 targets. Uh, sorry, 146 targets, over 100 receptions for 1,100 yards. And, uh, you know, just proves that, uh, you know, that chip that he has on his shoulder is rather large. And, uh, and he's a guy, like I said, that I will, you know, I'm not going to doubt again, moving into next year. I think that, uh, he's proven that, you know, when he said that he gets up for games, uh, against the wide receivers that were drafted ahead of him, he, uh, he means it. And, uh, and he's a, he's the type of guy who definitely, like I said, plays with the chip on his shoulder. And, uh, I think is going to be a very good wide receiver, uh, I, I'm interested in seeing how a healthy Jameson Williams potentially cuts into his workload moving forward. But I mean, you can't argue with results and, uh, and he put up the numbers this year and continued basically on the pace that he was on for, you know, the end of the 2021 season. So uh, hats off to you for, for being higher on him. And uh, yeah, you definitely were right on that one. 
I mean, I had him on my roster, which kind of helped in 2021 and the finish that he had and actually being able to reap victories off of that. And, you know, for some people to say it was flash in the pan stuff, but I mean, it was, it seemed, it, it didn't seem that way. It, it seemed like, you know what, this guy finally had a shot. And like you said, he's got the, the confidence, you know, not cocky, but he's a very confident player in his abilities uh, to, to finish, you know, as, as a top 10 wide receiver, you know, albeit, you know, adjusted ranks and whatnot. So uh, did I did see maybe a little bit of fall off? Yeah, once different pieces start. Yeah, you know, DJ Chark was there on a one year prove it. Maybe he would cut into it, but yeah, this guy seemed to be the the top guy, and and the offense really seemed to kind of go through him. And and obviously we we saw Jared Goff finally look like a a legit quarterback, not just a game manager uh, because of that offense, and he was a big part of it. Uh, and I think we're gonna wrap up real quick with our tight end position. Pat, you wanna you wanna fire this one? <sighs> Sure. So the uh, the guys that we both missed on pretty badly, uh, that everybody missed on, uh, Kyle Pitts. We also got wrong uh, Jawan Johnson from the Saints, Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, Taysom Hill, Tyler Higby, and Tyler Conklin for the Jets. Um, I think with some of these guys, Pitts was just, I mean, he just, Atlanta's offense was not as, as pass heavy as, you know, we, I, we had hoped and all the passes that they did throw seemed to be going towards Drake London. So mm-hmm. uh, pitch just had a, a very disappointing year. Still think that there's, there's some light at the end of the tunnel for him. I do believe that, uh, you know, his physical talents will eventually shine through when he gets an opportunity to play in a, a you know, a more quarterback uh, centric offense. Uh, as far as some of the other guys on this list, like Darren Waller was injured, Evan Ingram, not many people saw that coming. Maybe we should have in uh, you know in a Doug Peterson offense who loves to utilize the tight end position, but uh, as far as Taysom Hill goes, you know I, I think Hill's always one of those guys where you can take a shot on him because of his unique skill set. He's going to score you points in different ways, and I think that even though he didn't necessarily finish super high, even in our uh, adjusted ranks, uh, he finished at number nine. He's like I said, he's a guy who can score your points in a ton of different ways. And uh, he's a guy that, you know, in, in these weird situations where, you know, quarterbacks get injured or, uh, you know, the team wants to to mix things up a little bit. Uh, you know, he can he can have some of these really big games that he had, you know, this this past season. Another guy who kind of disappointed me individually, Irv Smith Jr. And a guy that I'm going to talk about real quick, Austin Hooper. I really, for me, it wasn't just Austin Hooper. It was Traylon Burks. You know, it was Robert Woods. It was basically anybody who caught passes in that Tennessee offense. You know that Derrick Henry is going to be the guy, and he's going to, you know, obviously be the the main piece of that offense. But uh, I really just had a little bit more faith in Ryan Tannehill and Mike Vrabel, and I thought that Tennessee coming out of 2021 being the number one seed in the AFC – that their offense was going to continue to click even without A.J. Brown. Obviously, Traylon Burks has no A.J. Brown, at least not at this point in his career. But I, I was surprised to see how how much A.J. Brown was missed in that offense and how it completely changed uh, what the Tennessee Titans were able to do on offense. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, Hooper had a chance to pick up some of the targets that Brown was vacating and – uh and that didn't happen. And it just seemed like they 
the Titans just sort of, you know, in, in a lot of games just decided to just not throw the ball as, as much as, you know, you'd like to see if you are a, uh, a fantasy manager with any of their pass catchers on your team. So a little disappointed in Hooper. Still think he's a good player, but the situation for him this year, uh, sort of like you talked about earlier with Mike Kosecki, just wasn't a good situation and uh, definitely definitely got that one wrong this year. Yeah. Uh, my guys, uh, you know, uh, Cole Komet, uh, TJ Hawkinson, and Mike Kosecki, uh, God rest his soul, who is now a New England Patriot. Speaking of guys that made moves at the tight end position, with TJ Hawkinson, I, I've always been – I had him one year, and then the injuries kind of bit me, and I've always been a little hesitant on guys with a – you know, can't play whole season, injured, banged up, yada, yada. Um, this season he started out doing some interesting things, uh, to say the least. Um, you know, had a couple meh games, and then – Week four against New Orleans goes off for 41 points in our league of record. And then, you know, starts to get a little dinged up after that. And then you you turn around and he gets traded on November 1st to division rival leader, the Minnesota Vikings. And then now with, you know, I guess to say a a more, a a bigger role, so to speak, uh, puts up pretty solid numbers through the season has a monster game against the New York Giants for 37, uh, almost 38 points in our league of record. Both of those big barn burner games, over 100 yards, two touchdowns in both. I never saw that coming, Um, and I think that helped to push some of his points per game and stuff like that over the hump uh, in an offense that was terrific. It was the defense that was the Vikings' Achilles heel. Uh, But Hawkinson, for me, that was always that he just couldn't stay healthy um, and struggled in – uh, a Detroit offense that wasn't great at, at, at some points. He was the focal point. And then with Amon Ross St. Brown and with, uh, you know, the, the one, two punch that was for a little bit, one, two punch of Deandre Swift. And then eventually was the Jamal Williams show. Um, and then they draft Jamison Williams where he was going to probably get phased out to an extent, unless, you know, based on co- rookie contracts and stuff. But the fact that they made the trade that they did, uh, shipped him off, and then he goes into another offense that's bigger and brighter than anything you would have expected. Yeah, I, I did not expect that. I had him outside the top 10 uh, figuring on the injuries. Yes, he did miss a couple games, but those two monster games alone of, uh, again, you're talking about, uh, if, you're tight, if your tight end puts up 42 and 38, so we're talking, what, 80 points? 80 points. points. Mm-hmm. 80 points in two games for a tight end. Um, Darren Waller injured this season, put up 84, uh, almost 85 points. So, I mean, if that gives you any idea, you, you know, the types of quarterbacks that basically two games of his beat out most at the position. And that's going to happen because the tight end position is there's the haves and there's the have nots. And it's, you know, it used to be one or two or three guys. Now it's creeping into a seven, eight, nine, ten. And then you'd start to see a little bit of a fall off. But as as the passing game is just becoming and has become the 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 biggest thing in the league, that the tight end position is just that from a grunty blocker who occasionally could be athletic enough to get open uh, to the point now where it's it's quietly just that, hey, he's a big wide receiver. Nobody can touch the guy. And, and Hawkinson looks like that kind of a player. Yeah, I think uh, you were talking about Hawkinson getting phased out. I mean, he obviously they were they were thinking about and and you know wanting to move on from to the point where they they phased him right out of the team completely and traded him so 
you know, I, I do still think he's a talented guy. I think he was drafted, you know, number eight overall, which, you know, uh, is incredibly high spot to take a tight end in the NFL draft. So the talent is there. Um, I think that moving forward, uh, you know, I think he's got a top, uh, chance to stay in the, the top eight or so in the, uh, at the tight end position, but, uh, you can't really compete with, you know, two monster games like that. And, uh, you know, that accounting for, you know, a third of your fantasy points for the season. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it. I know that, uh, you know, that, that took a little bit longer than we expected and, uh, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll cut and then edit and, you know, make this, uh, consumable for, for people. Content, baby. We could split this over to, we should, we should split it. Let's do all, yeah, that, all the, the <laughs> all the haves, all the have-nots. Yeah, the, the you know the, the the ups and downs of of our preseason prognostications. Yeah, um, yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> before uh, before we sign off, we do want to say uh, thank you to Mickey's Pub in Tuckerton, New Jersey, for partnering with the show. If you are looking for a great place to hang out, watch some sports, Mickey's is it. Great food, drink specials, and all the football you can handle. Mickey's Pub, 327 East Main Street in Tuckerton, New Jersey, where friends and family meet. And before we go, we also want to let you know uh, about our upcoming shows. Like Scott said earlier, we are down to one show per month in the offseason. We are going to dive into our rookie preview coming up uh, right before the NFL draft. And then we are going to do another NFL mock draft head-to-head. Scott would not let me pay off my bet from last year uh, for whatever strange reason, but uh, I'm building I up interest. Would, yeah, I was gonna say I, uh, it's gonna be a keg by by next season. Hell um, yeah, brother! But uh, yeah, we'll get into that. We'll do another head-to-head mock draft and take a look at some fantasy relevant rookies. Uh, you know, at the at the four major positions coming in and uh, talk about some guys that we like and you know maybe guys that we don't like and. And, uh, you know, do the whole rookie thing for all the dynasty players out there and, and the, uh, you know, the people obviously who are going to be drafting rookies in next year's uh, redraft leagues as well. So uh, look forward to that coming up in about a month or so. Check our website for release dates for our podcast once we figure out exactly when we're recording and when we're going to release those episodes. Uh, we do get them up on the website as quickly as possible. Also, don't forget, if you are listening on Apple or Google, hit the little plus button for us to follow the show. It, uh, it greatly helps us continue to do what we do here at the Nine Route. Also, if you are watching or listening on the YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that notification. Again, that, that gives us a, uh, a huge boost when it comes to other people seeing our content. And uh, also, as far as, uh, you know potential bigger audience for us to uh to talk about fantasy football with so please do that for us again don't forget to check out our website www.thenineroutefb.com and hit us up on the twitter machine at the nine route one and at scott from delco scott uh any parting words before we uh before we head out for this month like and subscribe bitches Peace. <laughs>